Let's talk about something absolutely heartbreaking. A man, a 58-year-old man, was found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to two years in prison yesterday. This is after the death of his 60-year-old wife at a Montreal long-term care facility in 2017. He testified that he smothered his wife with a pillow because he could no longer stand to see her suffer. She had Alzheimer's. And uh, he had looked into medical-assisted dying, which is legal in Canada now, on his wife's behalf in 2014, so years before this happened. And he was told that his wife would be ineligible because her death was not imminent and she was not coherent enough to consent. So he did what he thought was the humane thing to do, and he helped her end her life. And... Um, the judge ruled yesterday at the sentencing uh, that she saw him as a man in love who was exhausted and couldn't stand to see his wife suffer any longer. She said that this case, of course, had given rise to heated debate within Quebec society and that as citizens, we can only hope that the cries of alarm about difficulties that caregivers, as well as the problems of growing a growing number of people with Alzheimer's disease, will have been heard. There is a a huge amount of pressure on caregivers that we just don't talk about enough. Uh, if you have someone in your family with Alzheimer's or suffering from dementia, it can be heartbreaking and painful to watch, and it can be utterly exhausting. Claire Webster is our guest. She knows all too well what it's like to care for somebody with Alzheimer's. Her mother was diagnosed, and she cared for her mother. She's a former caregiver and certified Alzheimer care consultant works with the Faculty of Medicine at McGill University and hopes that this case will lead to even more discussions and, and hopefully changes in how we are prepared to deal with um, our loved ones if we're going to be their caregivers. Welcome to the show, Claire. Thanks for being here. It's a heartbreaking, heartbreaking case. Just absolutely heartbreaking. Now, you were told that your mother was diagnosed with um with Alzheimer's, you recall called leaving the doctor's office with very little information about the disease and what to expect. Can you just maybe encapsulate your experience with your mom? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2006, and the only uh, words that I were given were, good luck, Mrs. Webster. I was asked uh, if she was driving at the time. Um, he took away her license on the spot, but I was given absolutely no information about what this disease was, what to expect, and I mean, I knew absolutely nothing about it. And so, and, uh, how did you how did you learn how to navigate, you know, around caring for somebody with Alzheimer's? It was really just hands-on experience. Unfortunately, um, you know, as compared to other diseases, when you leave a doctor's office, you're given a prescription of care. Like you're told, this is what you need to do and, and what's next. But I, I wasn't given any information. And at the time, I was juggling three young children, a full-time career. You know, uh, you know, Alzheimer's is not only an evolution of a, it evolves cognitively, but it's also physical evolution. So I was just really um, trying to manage the day-to-day of, of, of how this disease was progressing. And I did not, you know, the entire time that I was navigating this journey with my mother, at no point did anybody from the healthcare community ask me how I was doing. And so I was just, you know, winging it, as they say. But it, this is not a disease that you can just wing. So because it's a disease that's progressive and it's long-term and, uh, you know, it's not something that they can cure in the hospital, you feel that the medical system just... It's not our problem. 
No, so what, I mean, what went wrong in the Michelle Kedot case and what goes wrong on a day-to-day basis? I mean, I've worked with over 200 families, and mm-hmm. it all begins in the doctor's office. It all begins at uh, uh, the moment that someone is diagnosed with dementia. You have to understand what is this disease? How is it going to progress? How to prepare for it? Not only does it have a ripple effect on the individual who's diagnosed, but it has a significant ripple effect on the family members. So from day one, families need to become as educated as possible possible? Like, how is this disease going to progress? And then from day one, what are the support services available in the community, whether they be not-for-profit support or for-profit? But you cannot go on this road yourself. It's impossible. And there's no government agency taking care of this right now? Well, no, I mean, I don't know how it works in Toronto. In Montreal, we have what's called the CLSCs, um, you know, they, which they are currently, it's a public health agency. They're currently overburdened with, with so many demands. I mean, families are entitled to approximately four hours a week of care. Mm-hmm. But we know as, as the disease progresses, it becomes a very physical, physical, uh, uh, you know, it's very physically demanding on the caregiver. The other challenge with this is that, you know, access to long-term care facilities, you know, by the, by the time the disease has evolved over, you know, 7 to 12 years, it's a 24-hour-a-day physical responsibility for people. And for the access to long-term care facilities right now is, is, is a two- to three-year waiting list. The biggest challenge is that families don't even know how to navigate the healthcare system. Like, they don't even know how, what is the process, what's available. So there's a whole education that has to be done, support structure, education, that has to surround family members upon the diagnosis of dementia. And you'd like to see it start with uh, family doctors? I'd like to see it so far start with family doctors. I mean, I'm making already some very good inroads in Montreal. I, I'm working with the Faculty of Medicine at McGill. I had approached the dean as a, as a, as a private citizen saying we need to change the culture of, 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 of this, of how families are, are, are treated in our healthcare system. So I've developed with McGill a dementia education workshop program for family caregivers, but now we're going to bring this workshop program to sensitize the medical students of the future because it really begins in the doctor's office. If Michelle Cadot would have been properly accompanied and informed and educated about you know what, what he needs to do to help take the best care possible of his wife and himself, this would never have happened. Never. There's someone listening right now, I can guarantee it, that is going through what you're, you know, talking about right now. And that is uh, they've just got the diagnosis or they're just into the early stages. If you could give, you know, with all of the information that you have from, you know, your work now and your past experience with your mom, any advice to someone that's just found out that a loved one is diagnosed with Alzheimer's, what would that be? Okay, well, I would say to them, because it's, we're talking across the country right now, would be really go to the Alzheimer's Society of Canada website. Understand the signs and symptoms and how it's going to progress. Make sure you're one step ahead of this disease because it's ever-evolving. It, it's, it's never the same. It progresses cognitively and physically. Number two, make sure that you have all of your mandate in order. Who has the mandate for the person? Because as the disease progresses and they can't represent them themselves, families, members need to make the decisions for them. So who has the mandate or the, uh, the notarized power of attorney? Right. Second of all, seek support. Like, immediately go find out from the local community. How can you get support at home? How could you get support for yourself? You know, and the other part that people have to make sure is that the person is safe at home. You know, the mobility changes, the vision changes, you know, is, is, it, is your home safe-proofed as it, as it progresses? You know, there's, most people are caring for a loved one at home. Is there a risk of falls, falling downstairs, wandering, leaving the home? So 
you, you really need to be completely prepared, but one step ahead. Don't wait till you get to crisis mode to, to learn about all this. Prepare yourself from the very beginning. What is the effect that Alzheimer's has on families? Because I, I would imagine, you know, if people are taking care in a family um, environment, uh, they, you know, if there's more than one sibling and you're taking care of mom or dad, right. there can be differences right. of how that care sh- should be administered. Yeah, I mean, the best thing is you really need to work as a team because, you know, oftentimes one family member is in denial that this is not really happening, um, and, and you really need to work as a team. Divide the tasks, divide the responsibilities. You know, the biggest impact this, fam- this disease has on families is what I call anticipatory mourning. You're constantly in, in, in a grieving process because you're always mourning the losses. It's, you know, you're, you're mourning the losses over such a long period of time. So, you know, you have to be sensitive that every person mourns in different ways. But oftentimes families get into, into challenges with each other because they feel like one sibling is taking, taking all the responsibility, whereas the other isn't. So you have to work as a team to lend the support to the primary caregiver all the time, all the time. But I, I can't emphasize enough to become educated, like really understand this disease. And there are, you know, the Alzheimer's Society of Canada has some excellent resources, um, you know, for families to, to access. But if you don't understand this disease, it could have a severe impact on the quality of care that the person who has the disease will and as well as have a, an impact on the, 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 the quality of life of the caregiver, as well as the safety. You know, safety becomes a big issue with this disease as it progresses. Claire, I'm going to ask you something very personal. I, I read that you were contemplating suicide, and this isn't unusual for people that are dealing with Alzheimer's yes. patients. Yes. Yes. So I, um, you know, it has a big ripple effect. I, because I did not seek out any support, and I wasn't offered any support, you know, we all adapt a certain coping mechanisms. And, you know, I began self-medicating. I began drinking quite heavily. Um, I was consumed with anger, like so much anger. I felt that I was able to keep all the balls in the air, manage my three young kids, manage mm-hmm. career, manage society's expectations, and inevitably I couldn't keep that mask anymore. Like I had to take the mask off. And you know, you don't, you know, you know, a nervous breakdown or those type of thoughts doesn't just happen overnight. It's an accumulation. It's like you're constantly being being hit sideways with something else. Because it wasn't only about caring for my mother. I had other responsibilities and other, you know, unexpected things that were happening. And um, I got to the point of, like, I can't even explain how you, you get to the point where you are just so incredibly burnt out, like there was nothing left uh, in you. And, um, you know, I had contemplated suicide, and the only reason that I didn't is because, it, I, I, you know, I, I realized that my children had watched, were watching me unravel for such a period of time. And I thought they've already seen so much, so much anger and so much grief in me that how could I do that? So, um, How do you flick the very, switch very and, and realize, uh, wait a minute, I have to support myself first before I can support this person and care for this person with Alzheimer's? Unfortunately, um, which, I, which I really hope people get support at the beginning, um, you know, you, 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 I mean, I had to crash and burn, like really crash and burn. You know, I work with families and, you know, and, and, and hope that by, by empowering them with education and, and giving them access to support that they won't get there. But, but you know, I mean, it just, it, just, it just catches up on you. And, you know, for those people who are caring on a day-to-day basis, full-time, like a, 98% of the population is caring for somebody at home, the, the cognitive and the physical demands, 
you know, if they're not getting support, they will burn out. I mean, Alzheimer's disease causes the highest rate of caregiver burnout as compared to any other disease. So it's, you have to seek support. Please don't think that you can do this on your own because you cannot. It's impossible. This tragic story about this man from Montreal who smothered his wife to death with a pillow uh, after watching her suffer from Alzheimer's for years and is now going to be facing, uh, well, he is going to prison for two years. Uh, In your opinion, if he was given the proper tools, could this have been avoidable? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, I have people reaching out to me on a day-to-day basis with cries of help and just the same words over and over again. We're desperate. I'm burning out. I need some support. I don't know what to do. And, you know, at the moment of at the moment of diagnosis, if he would have been given the proper tools, this would have never happened. Never. Claire, you're saying to go to the Alzheimer's Society of Canada is the first step. Any other, um, as we wrap up this conversation, which is, I think, is I'm just so pleased that you agreed to come on and talk about it because I think it's such an important topic. Um, is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with? Um, I just, I, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough that, you know, people, please get out of that state of denial. I know that it's a, it's a really terrible uh, reality to watch the person that you love. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a constant grieving process. But if, if you stay in a process of denial and you're not accepting what's happening, you really will prevent your loved one from getting the, the best care possible. And you will prevent yourself from, from, from uh, you know, taking good care of yourself. Because I see caregivers who are just burning out, burning out because they think they could do it all. But you cannot do it all. Please, please seek out support and become as educated as possible. There are resources in your communities that are there to help. Um, or friends or family, but please, like, don't get get out of that state of denial. That would be my biggest message to people. Claire, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Claire Webster, former caregiver and certified Alzheimer care consultant, works with the Faculty of Medicine at McGill University, and wants to see things change. Wants to see her doctors or doctors telling patients once and family. So once that diagnosis comes in, that your loved one has uh, has Alzheimer's. That that they get the, uh, you know, the, all the information to go with it. The prescription for care, outlining what to expect in the years to come, where you can turn for information and support. All too often, you're walking out with a diagnosis and a big question mark.